Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the worlds of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of Ars staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We'll also talk about some of the other stuff we're doing when we're not circling the Ars orbiting headquarters. This week, we are talking about the war between PC and console gaming, and whether video games can even be considered such an art that this argument is worth having. Which platform holds the crown? <laughs> I'm your host, senior Apple editor, Jackie Chang, and on this week's show, we have our reviews editor, Lee Hutchinson. Hello. Gaming editor, Kyle Orland. Hi there. And social editor, Cesar Torres. Hello. So we have these guys on to duke it out and to try and answer these questions. Um, why don't we start with Kyle, who I believe is a follower of the console brigade. <laughs> what makes you what makes you so dedicated to the console as opposed to PC gaming? Well, it, it's been getting less and less over the years, but I think it comes down to what I grew up with. You know, we didn't have a super high-powered PC in the house. We were always a, a few years behind in whatever my parents could bring back from the office it would be like a, a 386 when other people were on to you know early pentiums and things so i never really had the the state-of-the-art hardware growing up i did have a nintendo entertainment system and you know super nintendo as soon as it came out and all those things and it's just kind of what you got used to um since i've started here i actually got uh, this amazing pc rig from velocity micro and i'm finally you know, have that two or three thousand dollar system that can really show off what PC games can do, and that's uh, lessened my uh, resolve about uh, consoles quite a bit. Uh, just seeing what the state of the art is. So, I mean, I I'm not really a gamer, which is of course why I'm on this episode. Um, but I mean, what makes what is making you like lessen your resolve? What is it that is attracting you more to PC gaming? Um. Uh, Pretty much being able to see what uh, PCs can do graphically that uh, consoles just can't. Uh, usually, in my experience, uh, the PC that I've had has been, you know, just as good as a uh, four or five year old system. Or, you know, when I got a new system, it would easily leapfrog whatever PC I had because I was never really willing to, uh, you know, put in all the money uh, to get, you know, the latest and greatest uh, graphics card for. Uh, hundreds or thousands of dollars when I could get uh, a whole console for the same price. And uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners now are going to be calling for my head uh, as gaming editor of the site because I'm not uh, sufficiently devoted to the cause of uh, PC gaming and, uh, you know, the high, uh, having the highest end experience possible. You're, you're ruining the whole website. <laughs> I'm just cheap, I guess, is part of it. I, I really didn't feel like... Uh, if I could get a similar gaming experience for console prices, I didn't see why I should pay top-of-the-line PC prices for it until very recently. Right. So I guess, um, worry not, readers, we have plenty of PC uh, gaming enthusiasts at, at ours, and one of them is Lee. So, Lee, I mean, what? obviously, you know, Kyle kind of touched on some of these things, but is, is that the reason why you're more into PC gaming? Is It's a really good, you know, he mentions growing up with gaming. Uh, and I, I grew up kind of on the opposite side of that. Um, when, when we were, when I was a little boy back, back in, back in the eighties, when I was young, uh, we had, so my dad brought a PC home from work. It was an old IBM PC with dual floppies. And I started gaming with what games we had on that and went from there. And it was sort of, I, I guess I paralleled Kyle, except I paralleled him on the PC side. So 
I grew up playing uh, Sierra adventure games, Space Quest and King's Quest and, and those kinds of things. Uh, and went from there to, you know, the play Doom when it came out and, you know, played, I grew up playing the PC games and that cementing on that side has kind of kept me there. And then when I got my, you know, my first little high school job, I spent all of my little four twenty five an hour dollars on, um, on upgrading my PC and, and buying new stuff and, you know, getting that new video card, which wasn't really a 3D card that, that didn't happen until later. But, you know, the, um, the amount of money that it cost to keep a good PC sort of tracking with consoles, uh, and this kind of gets into the PC versus consoles things on, you know, which one is better, which one's faster, which one's got more graphics, etc. It's not as crazy as you might think. You don't have to go and blow, you know, $4,000 to get a PC that will uh, that'll outclass uh, a, a, a current generation console, and it's it's been that way for a long time. Uh yeah, it it depends what you mean by outclass, I would say. What um what are you looking for as far as uh back in 2005 if you were buying something that would be as good as an Xbox 360, how much would you say that would have cost? Well, that's a really good question. So an Xbox 360 in 2005 has kind of middle of the road um hardware, right? It, yeah. Even in even in 2005 it wasn't like the Xbox <clears throat> Excuse me. It wasn't like the Xbox had like like a rocket engine inside of it or anything. Right. Um, it had to be you know for four hundred dollars. Well, of course. You could build. Of course. Um, and I'd have to go like wiki and look up exactly what the you know the megahertz rating. I think it's got some like a five hundred megahertz processor, and I'm going to get pilloried in the comments. Well, what the, the clock top it had. The clock speed isn't really what you comparing right right i'm looking at the at the video card and all that so what would you have been able to do a a comparable piece of dollars probably pc wide for four hundred dollars it in in the time yeah uh i think you could well god you're now i'm in trouble for not having research like parts part pc um, part prices in 2005 uh i don't think that it would have been difficult and maybe we can do um if you give me a little bit, I can post something when we put the podcast up, like to actually document this. But I think the PC I had at the time, which was no, you know, super on fire rig, was easily faster, and that faster from a like a, a qualitative standpoint, like gamed with higher FPS with better graphics fidelity than than the Xbox or the or even the PS3 did when it came out the next year. Okay, and how much did you had you paid for it? Man. I don't know, more than a console, but not like thousands of dollars. Maybe one. Back and, I, you know, I would have to go back and look exactly what I was gaming with in 2005, but under two grand, I would say. Okay, well, that's, that's five times as much. That's yeah, five times as much, but then you've got to look at what you get when you buy into a PC type of platform versus what you get when you buy into a console. I don't know if it's possible to say that you get five times the you know entertainment value out of it, but you're not just buying a PC to play games on either. This was at the same time that I'm playing games on it. This is the the thing I'm using for some work, for getting on the internet, for doing everything else with too. It just also happens to be a kick-ass gaming platform. That's true. There's a, there's a strong argument that uh, you can invest in a PC as something that was more than a gaming console. 
Uh, you know, the gaming consoles are really trying to be more computer-like. Like, there's there's a decent web browser on the Wii U, for instance, and you can get YouTube and Netflix on all these things. They're trying to be, you know, the living room equivalent of the mm-hmm. PC. But, you know, no one's doing their word processing on this stuff. Uh, no one's doing even serious web surfing uh, on these kind of limited browsers. It- no, and that's a question of using, you know, the right tool for the right job. You, you don't don't necessarily want to be doing all your web browsing on your Xbox, although I, I think the capability is there. If you're a Xbox Live Gold member, you can use IE10 now, I think, according to that really cool commercial with the crazy angry guy on it. Yeah, it's it's not really a great experience. You're mm-hmm. you're not going to throw out your laptop just to do it. My um, I, I actually my Xbox has not been powered on in so long that I think it still has the blade interface on it. So I, I so I truly don't know. Kyle and Lee, uh, it occurs to me that it's really interesting that you were, you know, looking for certain things in PC gaming, or you are. And let's put the titles aside for a minute, because I think that's the one of the biggest pieces of this discussion. But in terms of performance, when when you were buying this, you know, rig back in two, uh, 2005, or even what you might be looking for now, what what is it, what attributes of the hardware are you looking for that would make you feel satisfied at putting in this money over a console? Well, um, generally you go read the benchmark sites and you go and see if I go buy X video card, what's it going to get me in, in X popular game, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to play, um, what was I playing in 2005 battlefield something? If I want to play battlefield 1942. Yeah. And, uh, or, uh, and I wanted to have, you know, I want to play a 32 player death math death match with my buddies. And I want to make sure that the frame rates up high. And, and, and when I go to the land party, everybody's like, Oh my God, look at your computer. That's awesome. Um, you look at, you know, what kind of video card can I buy to get me there? And then after the video card, you look at CPU and, and then and make sure you've got enough RAM. And generally it goes in that order, right? You buy from the video card down. Cause that's for a long time. It's been, that's been the priciest thing. And you could easily spend if you, look at the high end, you can easily spend on a single video card more than you'd spend on a, on a console if you wanted to, or you could buy like three of them. Look, it's uh, there's, there's really no argument that uh, the high end PC is going to be a uh, better graphical performance than the comparable console. Even when the console is brand new, uh, you're going to be able to get a PC that can do better. Um, the question is whether you can get that at nearly the same price, which, um, Nowadays, you probably could now that the Xbox 360 and the PS3 are, you know, getting to six and seven years old, they're kind of falling off, which, you know, gets into another advantage that the PC people always like to bring up. Uh, You know, you can upgrade them on your own schedule. There's always a new graphics card coming out and uh, you can get them much more often than the uh, six or seven or, you know, coming on eight to ten year schedules that uh, the console makers decide on. Uh, the question is, again, that the price kind of adds up. You know, if you got cutting-edge hardware for $2,000 back in 2005, if you still want it to be cutting-edge, you're spending, you know, hundreds more dollars over the last seven years. Uh, no, the, Xbox, the Xbox 360 is starting to show its age now. It's, uh, you know, a little less powerful, but I could still run a version of Far Cry 3 on it uh, that came out today. It's... Uh, not going to be as nice as the one that you spent uh, thousands and thousands of dollars on, but uh, if I go buy a hundred fifty dollar console on Black Friday, I can play it. Well, sure, and so that kind of is the flip side of the of the PC console, the PC console war, as it is. So, like, 
the fact that that there is such a long refresh cycle on a lot of these consoles, uh, on all of the consoles nowadays anyway, means that um, I don't want to use the term stagnation because that's got all kinds of negative connotations that aren't necessarily true. But the expectation of how the graphics are going to be in, a, in, in video games does tend to, at least has for the past half a decade or so, get pegged to what the consoles can do, and that bleeds over into the PC market. And it does so because the console market share in gaming these days is so much heavier than, than the PC one. And a lot so of PC the, people I've heard are you know, very, very mad about this. If, if the PC is not the, the primary development unit that they're targeting for... Uh, well, sure, because I, I went out and spent $1,200 on this graphics card. Why can't I use this graphic? Why am I playing... Call of Duty 497, which looks the same as Call of Duty 215, which came out five years ago, and my new $1,200 graphics card isn't, like, able to render all of the polygons anymore. I mean, because because the, the consoles have a fixed development cycle. There are real costs to changing them. Uh, they live for a long time, and so games tend to hover around, especially AAA titles, because they sell the most, tend to hover around where the capabilities of the consoles are. Now, this is not always a bad thing, because you look at the games that are available for PS3 or for Xbox uh, now versus when the titles or versus when the consoles launched. Um, a lot of them are graphically more sophisticated. They look they look good. Um, they look in a lot of cases better than they did at launch, and it's not because the consoles have been you know pumped up with secret hardware upgrades. Although there have been re- re- you know refinements in the overall the way the systems are built. Um, it's because the programmers, when stuck with, you know, this is the platform you've got, now code for it, um, over time, tend to get better and more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- unless you've got a Sega Saturn. So I have a question. I'm sure I'm probably about to touch on something that everyone already knows, but, um, I mean, isn't there an argument to be made that gaming on, say, a larger screen on your TV with a console is, you know, offers a certain kind of experience that your PC gaming rig won't offer? Or or is that not, like, a thing that people think about? I've got my thoughts, but Kyle, you go first. Well, it's uh, that's true, but it's it's getting less and less true. You know, you see Steam coming out with something like uh, the big picture mode, which is designed for a living room TV. This is a specific mode that uh, can be run with a handheld Xbox 360 controller, no need for a mouse or a keyboard to do anything, and uh, displays the icons really large so you can see them uh, from 10 or 15 feet away on your couch. And uh, you're playing often, you know, the same games that you would be playing on a console anyway. You could play... Um, Dishonored or uh, Far Cry 3 or, uh, you know, many of the other games I've reviewed this year have you come out uh, at the same time on the PC and the console. So people can hook up a PC to their living room unit uh, or even just thread an HDMI cable uh, across the house from your office or something and uh, pretty much have a living room system that uh, gives you all the performance of the PC now. Sure. Now, there's there's also something. So there's a whole technical like probably side conversation that we could have that I'm totally not going to go down because we'll be here forever talking about, um, sorry, talking about the effective view distance and like the effective size of a screen in your field of view with a monitor on your desk versus a TV that's, that's across the room, even a big screen TV. But frankly, the thing that I like uh, about gaming on a PC, one of the things that I really like about it is the, it sounds kind of odd, but the intimacy 
especially in games that have like really strong emotional um legs to them is the intimacy of sitting up close to the computer and having the screen and the keyboard all right here um and it's not that you're sitting in the couch and it's across the room and your family's running in and out and everything. It's, you know, you're, you're here, you're in, you're in front of your computer, you're close and intimate with the game that you're playing, maybe with your headphones on. Um, and that, that sense of closeness sometimes, depending on the game, sometimes adds to the experience. Now, what would your mother say, Lee, to being so close to the monitor? You're going to, you're going to fry your eyes there. <laughs> I'm gonna exactly. Go and I'm especially go. don't keep the lights off, because then yes. you really go blind. It's going to rot my brain. <laughs> or if you had my grandmother, you, she'd tell you, and also don't leave the window open, because your face will get twisted. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't even... No, how does that work? It's the thing face. about Mexican grandmothers, I think. She used to tell us this. <laughs> okay. If we slept with the window open, <laughs> we'd wake this up twisted. Lessons wow. from... Um, <laughs> anyway, we, we diverged for a minute here. Uh, but yeah, I'm really it's... interested about what you guys are talking about, the actual experience of both, um, because they're each really good, I think. I mean, you like to get right into a game, and having the screen that close is is cool, but games have evolved a lot too, right? You know, you have Nintendo sort of spreading uh, that experience into a living room situation with lots of people. Um, it seems like there's a lot of choice that one one has now. Sure. Yeah, it it definitely is a different experience. You know, um, I don't think it's always for the better being in uh, the office experience, you know, working on the same machine that uh, you do spreadsheets and word processing on that uh, you don't necessarily want that to be your gaming rig as well. And uh, for some games, you don't want to be, you know, six inches from the screen. It can be a lot more relaxing just uh, putting your feet up on the couch. And, uh, you know, for playing a game like Mario, play, trying to play that on a, a keyboard uh, when you're only a few inches away from uh, the screen, from a huge monitor, I, I think that wouldn't fit. No, I won't, I won't deny that at all. The platforms have kind of diverged in that way to suit uh, the way their audience plays them. Um, but it's, it's starting to come together. I think, uh, as, as more games are ported immediately to the PC or immediately to the consoles on the same day, uh, I don't know. The experience is kind of getting harder and harder to distinguish these days. This is, this is true. And I mean, building on, building on what we've all said here, nothing is going to be right for every game, for every person all the time. I mean, sometimes you do want to kick back and game on a couch and, Sometimes you do want to sit your headphones on and stick your nose right up at the screen. It, it, it depends on the game. And <laughs> you shut up, console boy. So let's let's circle back actually, because there was there was something else we were talking about the the actual experience of using the of using a console versus using a PC. And we we would be there are two more things I want to touch on. We've touched on graphics, um, but we would be remiss. If we didn't touch on, and Kyle was IMing me before we started this, and he was like, are you really going to bring this up? It's like, oh, you know I am. We would be remiss if we didn't touch on keyboard mouse versus controller with the jiggle sticks on it. I knew this had to get brought up. I just uh, am dreading being on the wrong side of it because I know I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very unpopular here. <laughs> uh, it's It's so, okay. I'm not going to be dogmatic and say that a keyboard and a mouse is a superior interface choice for every circumstance, because that's provably false. It's not. But for the type of games that are the most popular these days, first-person shooters um, and, and maybe some real-time strategy games, um, just kind of as broad, and, and RPGs, point-and-click RPGs as just broad overviews, 
Um, keyboard and mouse is almost always going to be better. It won't be better all the time, but it almost always will be. Now, there are some games where you clearly don't want to have a keyboard and a mouse. Um, flight simulators, driving games, and that gets into a whole holy war of is a joystick better than a gamepad and whatever. But generally, for most things, I'm going to go ahead and say keyboard and mouse is the superior control scheme for most applications. Okay, I will, I will give you real-time strategy games, which are almost impossible to play with a gamepad. Although uh, they're not nearly as popular as they once were, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you. Um, yeah, well. Point-and-click adventure games, also kind of niche now, but uh, I also think they're doing pretty well on console versions. Uh, you know, it's not as natural just moving the cursor with a, an analog stick as it is a mouse, but it's doable, and, you know, timing doesn't really matter so much uh, for those. Also, um, I think really the touch interface for something like the iPad is kind of superior to both of those. It it can be. It definitely can, especially for for point and click adventure game, and then also for for real time strategy. Frankly, I mean, look at playing. You know, well, okay, look at playing StarCraft or StarCraft Two with a touch interface. You know, lasso your units, tap over here to send them over there, click on stuff to build things. I mean, it, the 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 idea is actually really cool. Yeah, it's well. I don't know how many actions per second uh, you could get with a touch interface rather than having, you know, a tactile mouse button there. But, um, well, yeah, for first person shooters is, um, a big sticking point. You don't uh, now with, with a gamepad, you're obviously not going to get the reaction times you can get with a mouse. You're not going to be able to spin around, uh, uh, 180 degrees as quickly. But, uh, I don't know. Whenever I try playing with a keyboard and mouse, maybe this is just inexperienced. Maybe this is just uh, growing up with a dual shift dual stick uh, controls, but I never see, can seem to get the precision that I can get uh, with a, a finely tuned analog stick. Making precise movements with just a slight move of my thumb is easier for me, at least, than, you know, moving a mouse very slightly. I always seem to oversteer, and I can never quite get the mouse sensitivity right. This this could be just me, and it could be just what you're used to. I bet, I, I think it, most of uh, this comes down to preference and what you're used to, but... Uh, Oh, sure. I mean, there's it's I'm sure it is. I'm, it's got I mean, there's huge personal preference in, in what you're used to. I have the inverse problem when I when I get a controller with jiggle sticks on it. I can't I can't line it. My guy looks like he's drunk and needs to go home. I'm crashing into walls and shooting the ceiling. And I you know, I have absolutely no it's it's very frustrating. But then switch to keyboard and mouse and it I can hit pixel perfect. And it's funny. They've um they uh. Sorry, I got distracted by them. Let's start over. Um, it's funny. They've tried to bring keyboard and mouse uh, controls to the consoles just for that reason. You know, it was more first-person shooters came to the consoles. Uh, they've released uh, USB things for uh, the PS3, and I think the Dreamcast had a specific one. And, you know, they never really seem to take off, uh, whether that's yeah. because, I guess, the people on PC are staying on the PC and the people on console are, don't want to, you know, get used to a new control scheme. Uh, whatever, but uh, these days, uh, the PC kind of has the leg up there because um, the Xbox 360 gamepad has kind of become the de facto standard, I think. Uh, since it's uh, the wired version is just a USB thing, you can plug it into yeah. any Windows computer, and you know, if you have the PC version of a racing game or uh, the rare platform game that comes to the PC, uh, you, you don't have to use a mouse and keyboard, or and you don't have to even invest in a PC-only uh, controller handheld controller or joystick anymore 
I want to I want to tell you something very quickly that made me almost just weep tears of of anguish. So Chris Roberts and uh, Star Citizen, the new uh, the new space combat massive role player everything everything game that that is in development right now. Um, I don't know if you caught this or not, but when you when you go to the the Star Citizen website and watch the the uh, little videos that Chris Roberts has up talking about the game's development. There is one particular video where it shows him playing, you know, an alpha build of the game or whatever it is. And he's, he's flying his cool spaceship around, dodging asteroids or shooting or whatever the hell he was doing. Um, and he's got in his hand a white Xbox 360 controller that he's flying around with. And this is this is Chris Roberts. I mean, this man was when I was in like seventh grade, this man was like like some sort of combination of of God and Michael Jordan to me. I mean, this is the guy who made Wing Commander. Wing Commander. You know, the game that, that few other games can say they've done this. The game that literally defined a genre. And he's playing with a little Xbox console. It, it just, it just kills, it hurts, it hurts my heart. It causes my heart physical pain. It's funny, I asked uh, Roberts about, you know, he's been very upfront for star citizen about making it pc only and he's uh he said that this is specifically he wants it to be a game that you know shows off the the four thousand dollar rig that you can buy he wants it to be an experience that you just can't get on a cheap console even if even if you haven't invested that much in a pc he wants that full screen immersive experience that uh you know aging hardware is not going to do and in, in, in the living room and um, I asked him, obviously, you know, having a keyboard and mouse is probably going to be uh, worthwhile, too. It's very different. And he said, uh, it's not as much as the days, you know, back in the Wing Commander days, that was definitely true. The controller technology was not there. Not everybody had a controller for their a handheld controller for their PC. But nowadays, he said that the, the standard USB Xbox 360 pad, which is um, kind of becoming the PC gaming handheld standard, is... More than good enough for for something like that, he said. Yep. Uh, you you don't really need uh, the mouse and keyboard for a flight sim anymore. Well, and with with the flight sim guys, there you you buy a joystick, you buy an expensive honking joystick. In fact, there there are several folks in the R's uh, forums who have extremely sophisticated um, hands off throttle and stick, like you know monster joystick with throttle setups, like big expensive stuff, like stuff that they have spent just on the joystick and the throttle control, like a thousand plus dollars on getting it, you know, getting, buying high quality stuff to begin with, and then getting the internals replaced with military grade, like springs and potentiometers and stuff to make it just absolutely awesome. Uh, That's the kind of thing that I'd like to play Star Citizen with. And yet the creator of Star Citizen, Chris Roberts, who is certainly a well-off fellow and who could afford something like that, I'm sure if he wanted to, is gaming with the little. I'm sure it'll support those those crazy joysticks oh, sure for the people who want yeah. everything. But come on, it's just a little bit more accessible playing with this is something true. that you can hold in your hand. You don't have to remember, oh, where what what is up on that little hat to do? And do I, do I use my pinky for, for firing missiles or is it my ring finger or is it my left pinky? You know, yes. there's there's only so much you can keep track of, and for I don't know, there's there's something to be said for simplifying controls to a point where you do not need I don't know all of the 26 letters plus 10 of the symbols on a keyboard. I, you see some of the right. controller mappings for some of these games, and it's like, oh great, I can hit J to uh, I don't know jump and oh, no, dock no, the at the same one, time. Yeah, go ahead. You probably know better. Well, Free Space Two is uh, as far as flight. Flight sims, space combat sims go. Free Space Two is probably the the pinnacle 
Um, like the best game, the best space combat game ever made. And when you look at the keyboard map for that game, yeah, it's ridiculous. You've got like tar- you've got you've got like a button to target a target, and then you have a button to target your target's target, and then you've got another button to target the target that's attacking that target. I mean, the, the control scheme is extremely uh, nutty, crazy. Um, there's one final um, point I wanted to touch on here before we before we switch pages, um, and it kind of ties in with accessibility, and that's with a PC game uh, with the same title on PC versus console. Typically, with the PC game, you have a greater level of customizability and modability and hackability. Uh, and an excellent example probably is something like um, Skyrim, uh, which just came out. Well, just came out, which came out this year. Um, with Skyrim on PC, uh, putting aside like cheats and stuff, because that's all there. You can bust into the console and make yourself invulnerable and, you know, give yourself infinity stats and all that stuff. That's fun. But more to the point, on the PC side of the house, more than you can on the console side, you can slap in, you know, new interface elements. You can change the way the game works. You can alter fundamental constants. You can change the graphics. You can toss in better, higher resolution graphics. Anything from tiny little tweaks all the way up to total conversions, um, you can typically do on on a good PC console or PC title, especially a role playing title. Uh, and you don't really get that the closed nature of consoles um, and the fact that they're all wrapped in you know the manufacturer provided security and drm means that you almost never get stuff like that now there are always exceptions but generally you don't get that on a console yeah that's that's true there's there's really no argument against that uh from a console perspective uh the best the best thing that the console makers have tried to do is um making games that uh, explicitly support user created content. You have something like uh, Little Big Planet, where uh, user created levels. There's you know uh, hundreds and thousands of them out there, and some of them show uh, real ingenuity and uh, the creation tools on a console, even without uh, you know a mouse and keyboard, are uh, really out there. Some of the creations that people have made, you know, whole uh, whole copies of uh, Legend of Zelda style games or uh, totally original creations, even. Uh, that's great as far as it goes, but it's never going to compare to a PC because it's got to go through the third party of uh, Sony approval or uh, whoever the console maker is. Um, they're always going to be in control. Um, whether that's out of fear of uh, potentially exec- objectionable content that gets linked back to them or uh, potentially out of fear of uh, getting a virus on systems uh, – you know, having if you give them full control of uh, being able to make whatever they want, uh, it could obviously be malicious hardware or malicious software on there as well. Uh, I don't know, but it, you're right. The console is never going to uh, live up to a completely open platform uh, as the PC. On the flip side of that, uh, I think loading up Skyrim on your console tends to be a little easier than uh, getting it loaded on a PC. Uh, if you put in the Skyrim disc in your Xbox 360, you know it's just going to work, period. Um, if you're put it, playing it on the PC, more than likely you have to download the latest drivers for uh, your video card, you have to calibrate it to exactly your systems. Uh, if you're installing any of these mods, you're probably going to have to play around with file systems and put them in the right place. Although, All you true, know, true. some games it's getting easier. You you, you might uh, delete the wrong file and uh, not be able to play anymore. Uh, you know, the PCs have been getting better about uh, making this more streamlined, especially with uh, things like Steam, where you just, you know, click the buy it button and then it works. 
but uh, but it's never going to compare to the console as far as uh, you know stupid stupid plug and play ability. It's it's not. You're right. Um, and a lot of us a lot of us diehard PC gamers do these things, do these maintenance tasks, these downloading drivers things, and uh, and stuff even without thought. Like my dad is is loves playing Skyrim. Uh, he plays it on PC and. Uh, when he first called, when he first got it installed, he called me and he was like, Hey, look, I've got this Skyrim game. What do I set for the graphics and options and stuff? And it, I had to think about it for a second because I've been, I've been in that world for so long and have, I've been putting up with that for so long, uh, that I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I have no idea what I set in mind. And I had to go look because you just kind of do it all automatically. You just go in there and like, I want this resolution. I know I want this level of AA and AF. I want high level. Blah, blah, blah. You just run it. You just. Just do it. It's just automatic. But it's not. It's not just setting up the settings. But it's like uh, you'll you'll install a game and then it says, uh, "Oh, you do not have you do not have uh, the compat a compatible uh, driver, or you you need the latest version of DirectX." And sometimes they'll yeah, yep. install it for you, but sometimes there's some incompatibility. And I've I've had in in my history PC games where I bought it and put it in, and no matter what I do, I can you know I spend hours on it, and I just can't seem to get it to run on my system because. Uh, you know, there's some conflict between uh, the sound card and my motherboard. It's because you have to, you got to install the new video drivers, noob. Come on, noob. No, it, you're, you're. I'm not an idiot about these things. I know how to install no, no. a video driver, but it'll give me some obtuse error, and then you have to go Googling for what that error meant. And, you know, then it, it turns out that the developer never thought someone would be using this sound card with this video card. And right, right. Again, it's gotten better uh, as things have become more standardized uh, going forward. DirectX uh, has been a big boon in in, in that regard, but uh, yeah. it's, the PCs have a reputation for this for for a decent reason. I I, I would I would agree. Um, the 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 you're right. The experiences are dovetailing. Uh, the console world is getting more sophisticated, and the PC world is getting easier. Uh, but the best I could say is that the PCs, I think. Even though in a lot of cases the graphics are going to be better, the gameplay might even be better, you'll have more options, will be, I think, forever the realm of hobbyists, whereas the console games will be the, the more mainstream. And whenever there's a version of a game that comes out on multiple platforms, the rule, not the exception, is going to be that the console game is the, is the finger quotes canonical version of that game, which, you know, that sucks, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's generally true. I think you're seeing uh, less and less of a difference between what the PC version of a game and the console version of a game are, or um, whether or not what what type of game can come out on the PC or the console. Uh, even you look at a, a game like uh, the latest version of XCOM. Uh, you know, the first XCOM was a, a huge point of pride for PC gamers. Won millions of awards. Was uh, uh, you know a huge showcase for the kind of deep strategy that you could only get uh, on the PC. And then this new one came out, and they obviously wanted it to be playable on the Xbox 360 and PS3. And, you know, it kind of shows. It's, it's a little bit dumbed down from the version that came out uh, uh, over a decade ago. I think it was 15 years before now. Man, I'm feeling old. But uh... Well, and that's something, that's something that gets – that the word. The word is consolification, and that's a term that gets bandied around a lot, especially in the Ars forums. Um, and a lot of PC gamers get legitimately, genuinely, like, rage-faced angry that this title that they're waiting for, like XCOM, uh, has been has been dumped on. It's been consoleified. Uh, it's all like the console tards are taking over gaming, and they're making it so that, like, I can't, 
use all the options that I want to use and the menus can't, I mean, there, there have been a few games where it's gone a little too far um, off the top of my head, like Dead Space and maybe potentially Skyrim have had issues with like menu navigation, um, the way that the, the way that the game systems work that have been too skewed towards assuming that you're going to be having a, a, a controller in your hand versus a mouse and a keyboard. But I think those are rarer than they are common. Like that's not, that's not the rule. I think so. Things like menus are pretty niche, but, but getting down to, you know, the basic gameplay, you know, they made uh, XCOM so that it could be controlled easily with uh, a dual stick joystick. And um, they made it so that you didn't have to drill down into the statistics nearly as much. It just gives you a percentage for your hit rate, uh, for instance, and uh, uh, simplified uh, the grid a little bit. So it's more navigable. And it is it is a simpler experience than the original one, but uh, Lee, you played it. I don't think it's so far down that PC players would be feeling, I don't know, offended about it, or I don't no, think they should all. be. It's it's still an XCOM experience, and it's still decently deep, even though they're dual targeting for a PC and a console audience. I think they kind of found the balance there. Hey, I, yeah. So I'd love to ask you guys, because you each have so much experience on both sides of the, the coin. It's the end of 2012 and you've played a bunch of stuff. I'd love to know what, what kind of titles this year, just a handful of them, you know, what, which ones really work for you. And if you can talk a little bit about the ones that kind of maxed out what the console or what the PC hardware could do, that would be pretty cool too. But, um, you know, for people who are maybe looking to jump over <laughs> to the other side, this might be kind of useful to talk about what, what you liked. Why don't you take it, Kyle? Uh, all right. Um, well, for the console side, it's going to be an odd choice, but I think uh, New Super Mario Brothers U actually kind of shows off what the, the consoles do well, better than uh, anything else. This is uh, the first 2D Mario since uh, Super Mario World, I think, that's really captured that magic, and uh, it, it does it in high definition for the first time, which uh, you know Nintendo is way too slow to get to. Uh, talking about why PCs are better. You know, if you bought a Wii, you haven't even been above uh, 480p resolution for all this time. Uh, you you got away cheap, but you definitely got a much worse graphical experience. Uh, now that's a little bit over with uh, the Wii U, at least. Uh, it looks amazing, uh, 2D Mario in high definition for the first time. And uh, another thing you can't get with the PC is uh, the gamepad that comes with it is actually surprisingly useful. I play... Uh, with my wife, she's controlling Mario, and I get to help out by placing uh, little blocks with the touchpad. I can do things like uh, reversing some of the movable platforms or freezing enemies or knocking over turtle shells. You know, just helping her out a little bit uh, with the harder parts, and we both really enjoy it. Uh, it I don't have to get in the way as much as if, I'm, uh, if we're playing two players simultaneously on the same screen. And it's the kind of thing that, that's not possible on the PC, even if there was a Mario game there and even if you hooked up an xbox 360 pad you wouldn't have uh this gamepad in your hand uh consoles have kind of uh got a leg up on that kind of experimentation sometimes because uh they can play around with the hardware and they know everyone is going to have that same hardware it's it's you don't you're not designing for a niche uh, joystick that uh, only a few thousand people are going to have um on the pc side i just got done with far cry 3 on um the rig that uh, Velocity Micro generously provides us uh, for our PC reviews. And uh, that's uh, not just ad placement. I really do appreciate this rig uh, because Far Cry 3 looked incredible 
incredibly amazing on on this uh, system. Uh, DirectX 11 uh, has each blade of grass just kind of swaying in the wind a little bit. Uh, you got lush vegetation. You can see for miles down the uh, draw distances uh, with uh, things gently fading out as they go. Uh, the lighting effects, the smoke and the fire and the water. I, I just can't say enough about how this game looks uh, on a high-end PC. Well, so I want to mention two titles, uh, two two titles that came out this year. One is one that I had a, an excellent emotional gameplay experience with, and the other is one that I think shows off the the PC versus console thing. Uh, Kyle mentioned Far Cry Three, obviously that one's huge, um, but the the title that was kind of touted as a premier PC title, um, where the PC version was going to be the superior one is Battlefield three, which recently came out and which is, which especially, uh, Peter Bright, I think really, really likes. Um, he's a, he's a peaceful Brit when you speak to him in person, but he loves shooting people online. Uh, Battlefield three was, was a, a fabulous PC title. Um, the single player part of it maybe relied a lot on scripted events and those kind of games get a bad rap for having, uh, limited replayability single player wise but from a performance perspective it looked absolutely outstanding um and the first time you play it at least when you're encountering all the scripted events for for fresh uh it, the it's it's got a sense of surprise it's got cool stuff happens stuff blows up it's got a neat story um so that was a good one but the game that i had the most fun with that i spent the most time with was uh mass effect 3 which is available on 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 all the consoles too. In addition to PC, I played the PC version. Um, the reason why I liked it though had little to do with the you know how well it looked or how well it played or the performance and all that. Which, it, although that was good, um, I loved the game because it evoked real emotion. Um, I did my first playthrough in three twelve-hour sessions. I took time off work and and everything like a true fanboy. Uh, and maybe it was because I was so strung out by the time it was over, but I felt more out of that game. It made it like actually called up more genuine emotions out of me um, than I think I've ever felt playing any other, any other game I've ever played. And I've, and I've played a few uh, that felt like the characters were my friends. There were moments in that game, even before the extended ending was tacked on, I played it like on release day um, that almost made me cry, uh, particularly at the end when you're saying goodbye to to all of your to all of your squads, uh, your squad mates. There's there's a moment when um, uh, th no spoilers, but there's there's a moment when you're hanging out with with your with Garrus, your squad mate Garrus, uh, who is totally my space brother from another mother. Uh, that is possibly my favorite scene uh, in any video game that I have ever played ever. The tone, the humor, the voice acting is all dead on, and people who played Mass Effect, the series, and, and Mass Effect 3, I'm sure will know exactly the moment I'm talking about. Um, there's, there, there are, I've got a whole bunch of, like, picked out moments from Mass Effect 3 that I could walk through that, that, that just made me go gasp and, and clutch my heart. Um, but that, that was, that's my, that's my game this year. That's my 2012 game. That's my now, point. Lee, would you, would would that those moments have been less impactful if uh, you were sitting on a couch playing on Xbox 360? I don't know, possibly. Um, and it, it maybe it goes back to the maybe it goes back to the sense of intimacy um, and to the the sense of closeness and involvement and being being you know alone in the room with your PC, which makes me sound like I live in a cave. But 
and you know, I'm I'm kind of an introverted guy. I don't I don't you know all of you people leave me alone. Nah, but it's it just feels more personal, uh, and the emotional impact maybe is higher when it's just you and your computer uh, and your headphones and your and you're playing. And maybe that's just me. Uh, maybe others feel that way too, but that's that's kind of my thing. Well, you know, one one thing I'd like to mention, and it's one of the reasons why I was so interested in this particular episode of the podcast, is that uh, I've had to change my life a little bit as I've moved into a smaller apartment and more compact living space. And I always talk to Kyle about consoles, and I I, I grew up with consoles. I I was never that interested in PC games, but I have a pretty nice iMac setup. And I'm always really curious as to whether I should just kind of start playing more games on it so that I don't have to buy a console right away. I mean, when I get a television into this place, maybe I will be tempted. But for now, I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of cool because I can kind of get more for my money if my hardware will will support the, the games. That's, I guess, my biggest worry. Yeah, we no, didn't even... We didn't even get right. into talking about uh, Mac and Linux, about uh, sure. the, the bastard stepchildren of uh, PC gaming. That's that's an excellent way of putting it. There's a whole other podcast in that, uh, <laughs> by the way. Uh, I was going to make a missed joke, but that's all I have. <laughs> well, that'll be the sequel. We, we can definitely do a sequel podcast uh, on that topic. Yes, perhaps we can drag someone around here who plays games on the Mac. <laughs> Well, yeah, not gonna. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. We'll have to bring you back. But we, yeah, and we can check in because I have not made a decision yet. I mean, it's the holidays, but I, I haven't even made plans to buy anything. So in a couple of months, we'll see. Maybe I will actually be on a new console or or not. I I can give some. I can give some survival tips for uh, (laughs) uh, surviving being a Mac gamer. Um, although, I mean, frankly, one of those survival tips is uh, install Boot Camp and install Windows because you'll be happier. Well, yeah, that's, there what, you go. that's what I did. I, I actually have that running, and that's why I'm so tempted. I'm like, I could actually have Skyrim in my, in my house. Yeah, yeah. That's, you, we, should, we should talk. Let's talk after this. Give me a call. I, I sure <laughs> will. I know where All you right. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort if, of. You, if you already got the, uh, the hardware to do it, uh, there's plenty of games out there. Yeah, I think I just have to go for it. Okay, well, on that note, um, I think we're going to wrap up because we're running a little long. So thank you guys for being on the show. I know that you're not always on regularly, but it's always a joy to have you both. Um, and Cesar, thank you as always. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And if if you like the show or if you don't like it, uh, anything, you can give us feedback. And if you do like it, we would love if you could leave a review. Um, if you happen to be listening through iTunes, uh, you could leave a review on iTunes. Um, if you download it from ours, you can leave a comment and we will all see it. So um, that's it. Let us know what you think. And may I mention, uh, I know today before we, re- we recorded, I asked some of our readers to, to tell us how they like the show. And I think that's really important to talk about here that, uh, we do uh, read your feedback and we want to know what you think of these different episodes because they change, you know, by topic sometimes. Uh, so we got one nice uh, comment, one little mini review from uh, Darian, who actually was on app.net. This one was not from Twitter, but uh, Darian told us that he's a big fan of the podcast. He enjoys the coverage of things which don't always get a mention on the website. So uh, if you have a little thought like that, that you want to make into a mini review, there are various ways you can send them to us, but they really help us kind of um, keep going in the direction that uh, makes makes you guys happy with what we do. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Actually, I was tempted to do... <clears throat>
I was tempted to do the entire thing like this because I have a scratchy <laughs> sore throat voice and I could have been like, no, Kyle, everything you say is stupid and wrong. <laughs> Even better is if you uh, you go into Batman voice. <laughs> Kyle, your costume suck, Kyle. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> I feel like I'm seeing a film trailer right now. Swear to me. <laughs> that I'll never buy a console again. Can you give it, can you give him uh, can you give him advice on buying a controller uh, in the Batman voice? <clears throat> Don't buy controllers, Kyle. <laughs> buy a keyboard, or I'll come for you. Yeah, that hurts. It hurts to talk that way. Oh, be careful, yeah. Don't blow. <laughs> oh my I god! I would never suspect you're actually Bruce Wayne if you use that. <laughs> Thank you.